Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Praise the Lord. Super excited to be in the house of the Lord today. What's beautiful about this moment right here is that if you're in the building, it's because you want to be. <laughs> if you're in the building, it's because you said, you know what, I want to I wanna get to the house of the Lord. And, and generally speaking, pre-pandemic when we would gather a lot of times we would come because of our friends or our family we would come gather to see people who are we haven't seen either all week or all month long but in this moment with limited capacity um, if you went online and registered and you said hey I just want to get into the house of the Lord I want to be around other fellow believers you know worshiping at home is great and that's good um, but there's nothing like being with other believers that you can just lift up your voice with. And so we want to thank you all for choosing to come and, and worship with us. And for those who are online, your experience will, it will be just as rich and just as meaningful um, because we know ultimately that God is not controlled or confined by brick walls or buildings, that he can show up in this space just as much as he can show up in someone's home, in someone's car. Um, if we pass the mic around, I'm sure many of you all could testify how God showed up in your life maybe when you were out walking the dog, right? Or maybe when you were at work sitting in your cubicle or in your corner office, or maybe when you were stuck on that demonic 91, it's still demonic even after the pandemic, you were stuck in traffic and yet God stepped into right where you were and he spoke a word to you to lift your hearts and your spirit and your soul. And so we are just so grateful that we serve a God who is transcendent in nature, right? Doesn't matter where you are or what's going on, or any of the above, God says, you know what? I know how to get a word right to you. And so we believe that God is here with us in the building, but we also believe that God is with you all who are worshiping online at home or wherever you might be. And so we just wanna thank you so much for tuning in. And for those who are at home or wherever you are, we would invite you just to send the link, the YouTube, Facebook link, share it on your page, send it to family or friends. Um, that they too can join in this moment with us and be blessed. Now, when I think about this last week, it has been another week for the ages. Um, if you've been following what's been taking place in the news, there is a lot going on in this country, and we're going to address a little bit of it, a little bit of it today. Um, but first, I just want to just remind you of where we were last week. Last week, we were in Jeremiah. And we talk specifically about God having purpose and destiny for you. In fact, last week we said that you were created with a divine design. Just the person next to you say, you have a divine design. Just look at him and point to him. You have a divine design. You have a divine design. And what that means is that you have purpose, that no matter what were the circumstances under which you were born, you are not an accident, that God saw you in your mother's womb, um, he saw you before your parents hooked up, and he had purpose and destiny in store for you. And so we know that because Jeremiah, as we learned last week, he tells us that, that before you saw, before I saw the light of day, he had a plan for me. And 
for Jeremiah specifically, he says, I saw you before you saw the light of day and I appointed you, I gave you, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. And last week we established that as God had called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations, similarly, God has called each and one of us also to assume one of the five-fold offices that we learn of in the New Testament. That we either have a prophetic office, we either have an apostolic office, an evangelistic office, a shepherding pastor office, or we are operating in the function of a teacher. Every single one of us are operating in one of those functions, those, those, those ordained appointed roles that God has called us into in this day and age. That you are not here just to make money, just to provide for your family, just to live the good life, but you have kingdom purpose. Can you say kingdom purpose? You have kingdom purpose. There is a calling and a destiny and a design for your life. And I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I, I have to because I think so many of us, we hear it, but it doesn't speak to us. We, we, we hear the words, but, but it just kind of bounces off, to, off of us because in our minds right now, you're thinking about your 401k. You're thinking about your job come Monday morning. You're thinking about the promotion you just applied for. You're thinking about all the responsibilities that you have to take care of for school and for your children and for all of the hustle and bustle of life. And so to think about all of that in addition to the reality that God has called you for purpose, it, it, it just doesn't resonate. And so I, I, I want to say it again and again and again because somehow I want it to pierce through the noise of this world and to kind of speak and resonate into the depth of your soul that you have kingdom purpose, that you are here for a specific reason, not just to punch a clock, not just to save up and then to retire, that there is more that God has in store for his people. And it doesn't matter how articulate you may feel you are not, or how many resources you may feel you lack, or what you don't have, or what you do have, God, praise the Lord, is not confined or controlled or limited by our lack of resources. Do I got a witness? That even when we feel like we don't have, God can take a stutterer like Moses and he can use him to set the children of Israel free. God can take a prostitute like Rahab and he can use her as a part of a key role in his lineage. God can take an, an, a, a, a murderer, an adulteress like David, and he can still do great and mighty things through his life. That God is not controlled or confined by our lack of resources, but his purposes will prevail. And so that's what we've been dealing with, that God has vision, God has purpose, God has dreams for your life. And today we're going to continue that, um, that conversation, looking at the book of Jeremiah, um, really trying to understand, okay, God, you have destiny for me. Okay, God, you have a design. I have a divine design. How can I authentically step into your plan for my life? What on earth am I here for? It's what we're dealing with. Would you, would you pray with me as we dive into the word? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you just again for this opportunity to seek your face. We thank you again for this opportunity to open your word. And as we spend a few moments hearing from you and talking amongst ourselves and, and just reflecting on your word, we pray that your spirit would just fall afresh in this place, that you would give us wisdom and direction, that you would speak to our hearts 
God, you know the people who are in the building. You know the people who are online. You know the people who are watching this next week, next month, next year. And I just pray that whoever is tuning in right now, that whatever they're going through, that this word would pierce through the, the noise and that it would just reverberate in their heart the truth of your word, that you have destiny for us and that we can step into that with our true authentic selves. God, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let the believers say amen and amen. You know, when I think about the purposes of God for my life and when I think about the purposes of God for your life, one text, two texts that come to mind that I want to just bring to your attention, and we didn't cover them last week, but I want to just cover them this week. Um, The first is in Ephesians in chapter 1. Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 11 and 12, and it's from the message version. I I love how Paul really articulates this in Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 11. He says, it is in Christ. It is in who? Come on now, I need y'all to talk back to me. It's been a a while since I've had a live audience. Y'all remember that, so talk back to me. It is in who? It is in Christ that we find out who we are. Not at the career office, <laughs> uh, not at the, the, the Myers-Briggs Enneagram website, uh, not, not, not when we're talking to our academic counselor or we're talking to our boss. Paul says, let's be very clear, it is where? In Christ that we find out who we are and not just what we are, excuse me, not just who we are, and what we are, but what we are living for. It is in Christ that we find our purpose. He says, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us and designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and in everyone. I love how Paul says it. I don't know if it's any more clear throughout any place in the scripture where Paul really tries to make us known, like, listen, that you have purpose and you have calling. You, you discern who you are and you discern what you are here for. You can truly understand the glory of God upon your life. But all of that, it doesn't happen unless you are in Christ, because it is in Christ that you truly find out who you are and what you are living for. I mean, to me, that is so poignant and so, so straight to the, to, the, to the point that it's like, okay, where else do we need to go? Like, I don't need to go anywhere else if I'm trying to answer the big question of what am I here for or what, are the, what is the purpose of life or what on earth am I here for? I know that I can find that answer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you hear me, let me hear you say amen. In Christ. Uh, um, um, John, the revelator, says it a little bit differently, but I love how he says it, and this is in Revelation in chapter 4 and verse 11, and he says this from the New Living Translation. He says, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created how many things? How many things? You created all things, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. 
And so what John is saying to us here again is, listen, if you are alive, if you are breathing, if there's breath in your lungs, you are here for a purpose. God created you. He allowed you to pass through um, your, your, your mother's womb and to come into existence because he had purpose for you and because he wanted to, he is pleased with you here. That you have you are the apple of his eye. You are the, 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 the cream in his coffee. The bacon, the veggie bacon in his greens. <laughs> that you are, you, are, you are the ketchup on his hot dog. I mean, that you, you, he is pleased with you. He is happy with you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that somehow you've done something wrong, that you're not accepted by God, that you're not um, um, worthy to, to be in relationship with God. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that somehow you have to do more and more and more to somehow gain favor in God's sight. No, the Bible tells us, no, he created us. And the reason why he created us is because he was pleased to create us. It was his honor to create us. It was his joy to create us. But in this world that we live, we, I think, struggle to reconcile what the word says and the reality of our life. Because if you watch the news for any length of time this last week, you would have quickly learned about the mass shooting at the FedEx facility. Where was that? And um, where did that happen? Yeah, it's in Indiana, Indianapolis. I believe last time I heard eight people were killed. If you watched the news this week, you heard about uh, two instances of police brutality where two individuals, both young men, one 20 years old, I believe, one 13 years old, who were both killed by police. Um, if you watched the news this week, obviously the Derek Chauvin trial is still taking place and there have been riots in Chicago and there have been riots in Minneapolis and, and probably other places across this country. If you watch the news this week at all, you have learned and heard about just the continued political rhetoric and, and, and brawls and battles that politicians are engaged in as they are all posturing and positioning themselves for power and it becomes slightly overwhelming, if I'm honest that you wake up and you turn on whatever your news outlet of choice is and yet you say another one, another mass shooting, another day, another day of stress, another day of sorrow, another, another day where we're grieving the loss of life unnecessarily, the loss of life, didn't have to happen. And it just reminds us that we are living in a very wicked society, a very wicked place, a very wicked world um, that is really, like Paul said, like this is not our home. And so the tension in the battle that we, that we engage in is that on one hand, I have purpose and I have destiny and I have calling, but on the other hand, I'm just struggling with the realities of life. That does not include the stress that you might be dealing with in your own personal life, with your marriage or your finances or your health or your children, the own stress that you might be dealing with, let alone, okay, yeah, there's mass shootings going on in Indianapolis, but I, I got some mass drama in my own life that I'm trying to deal with. I got issues on my job and issues with coworkers and issues with my family. And so it just seems like from one day to the next, we are constantly being bombarded with so much that is going on that if we're not careful, I, I think that if we're not careful, we will find ourselves living far short of God's ideal and God's purpose and God's plan for our life. 
Like, if we're not careful, the pressure of life on this hand with everything that's going on in society and everything that's going on in our personal lives will cause us to somehow compromise God's ideal for our lives. And we will begin to lower the standard that we have for our lives and we begin to, li- to live, to, to, to lower um, God's, how can I say it? We will begin to live underneath the potential that God has in store. So when we read texts like we were created with purpose, that, that we find our purpose and our calling in Christ, we don't really quite reconcile that or understand that or believe that because of everything else that we're going through in our lives. And for most of us, and myself included, we find that tension just to make it from one day to the next, just to survive as opposed to thrive. Do I got anybody in the house who knows what I'm talking about? Anyone who here just feels like, you know what, I'm just surviving. Maybe online you are also, you know, you can identify with what I'm saying. Like you're saying, hey, thriving, you know what? To, to be on top of my family and my life and my finances and my spiritual life and my, listen, I'm, I'm just glad to be alive today. Like if I can just make it to the end of another week, I'll just, and just drag myself into church and get a word, to sing a song, to hear a word, to praise God, I will be thankful for that because there is so much going on. And yet I believe fundamentally that God has not called us to survive. He has called us to live abundantly. But for most of us, we don't even know what abundantly looks like. We can't even fathom what abundantly looks like because for most of our lives, and not just our lives, but the examples that have been given to us prior to us, the examples from our parents and our grandparents and those who have gone before us, is just individuals who are just holding on by the skin of their teeth. And so we are just kind of hoping to emulate the model that they have for us, recognizing that, you know what, I don't even know what it looks like to truly have kingdom purpose. And I can only imagine the angels in heaven look at us and say, God has so much more in store for you. If you would just trust, if you would just believe, if you would just walk in faith, if you would just, if you would just claim the promise of God, you do not have to survive. You can thrive. Can you just tell yourself that? I can thrive. I can thrive. I don't have to settle for less than God's ideal for my life. I, I can thrive. You're looking at me, but I want you to look at yourself real quick and say, I can thrive. I, I can experience all that God has in store for me. Can you maybe just turn to your neighbor and say, I believe it. I don't know about you, but I know I can experience all that God has in store for, for me. If we're not careful, we will live a poor man's version of our lives. Yeah. You know what a poor man's version is, right? This is no shade to anybody, right? So I'm going to throw out some examples. And if, and if you are one who likes to engage in what I'm talking about, like no shade whatsoever, right? But it's just poor man's version. So you know there's like the Bentley, right? Y'all know what a Bentley is, right? How much does a Bentley run? I don't know. I didn't look it up. How much do you think a Bentley costs? 150, 150, right? You got a Bentley, you got the Bentleys. High, high end cars, handmade, everything crafted, like Bentley. And then you got the Chrysler 300. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you drive a Chrysler 300, no shade, right? I drive a Kia Optima, so I'm, I'm even below that, right? So, so you got the Bentley, which is like, like if you're driving a Bentley, people are like, oh, okay, like you, you got, 
you got some purpose. Like, you, you know, something's going right in your life. The Chrysler 300, though, that's like the poor man's Bentley. The bootleg model. Yeah, yeah. Poor man's Bentley, right? Okay, so some of y'all not feeling that. Okay. Um, anyone in here eat Cheerios? 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 Okay. Anyone in here eat O's? Okay, a few of us, a few of us, we know, you know, like you got Cheerios, which are like the legit, you know, the B, what was the B's name? I don't think the B has a name, right? Like you got the B and the honey, right? The official Cheerios, was it Kellogg? Is it, is it Kellogg Cheerios, I think? Yeah. Kellogg, okay. And then you got, and then you got O's, right? O's are like the poor man's version of the Cheerios. Take, right, tasty O's. Like they don't come in the box where they come in. They just come in the bag. <laughs> they just come in the bag. Ain't no shade. If you like Tasty O's, no shade whatsoever. You just continue with what you, what, what you rock. But, but it, you know, it's like a poor man's version of, of the Cheerios. Right? No, no, no shade. You know, I was walking through um, Costco a couple, couple weeks, maybe a month or two ago, and I saw that Costco has a workout bike, right? And this workout bike that Costco sells, um, it's called the Echelon. Has anyone seen the Echelon inside of Costco? Right, right, you have the Echelon. Now, as, as I saw the Echelon, I said to myself, that looks very similar to the Peloton, right? On so, one, you have, you have the Peloton, right, which is, you know, some might, might say an expensive piece of, of, of workout equipment, um, but then you also have the, the Echelon, which is like just the, you know, the poor man's version of the Peloton. Right, smaller screen, you know, not as maybe not as many bells and whistles, but it'll still get the job done if you if you work it right. When you think about life, there's always a poor man's version. There is always a a a, a I don't want to say a knockoff because it's not really a knockoff. It's just a, a lesser. You have you know maybe your Samsung TVs. Would Samsung be considered high end? I guess maybe maybe not Samsung TVs. And then you have what's the lower end of TV models. What's that? RCA? Okay. Okay. Vizio. Not so much Vizio. Vizio's come up. Vizio's, they're, they're, Vizio's come up, right? But you have the, the authentic, the real, and then you have the, the inauthentic, right? The replica, the knockoff. And, and what I'm concerned about as I look at my life and I look at where we're headed as a church and as a community, that if we're not careful, that we will also find ourselves buying into and living according to a lesser version of God's ideal for us. Now, there's nothing wrong with the Chrysler 300, and there's nothing wrong with the Tasty O's, and there's nothing wrong with the Echelon, but when you compare it to the original that it was modeled after, you'll quickly realize that the quality isn't the same. Um, the taste might be similar, but normally um, it, the, the, the taste of food that is not the original kind of has an aftertaste. Right, where okay, it's, it, it kind of tastes the same, but it just leaves this little bit of aftertaste that you're not quite sure what to do with. And when you think about life, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves falling into that category where our life will be the knockoff version of what God designed for us. And this is not intended to be an insult to anyone. This is intended to be a, a wake-up call and to draw us into a heightened level of awareness that there is living and then there is kingdom living. 
There is you waking up and breathing and going and punching the clock. And, but then there is, also, there is also you waking up with purpose and passion and destiny, recognizing that you are not a mistake, recognizing that you have calling and that there is something that God has divinely designed you to accomplish this day. And you attack the day with purpose, you attack the day with, with, with focus, you attack the day with intentionality because you recognize that the day is a gift from God. I might not see this day again, and so let me maximize and take advantage of every opportunity I have to be about my father's business today. I'm living on purpose. I'm living intentionally. I am not experiencing anything less than God's ideal for my life. That's what I desire for you. For us to live a life that is the authorized version of our life. Say authorized version. Okay, so let me just bring you into the shoe game just for a little bit real quick. Right, so if you're into the shoe game, if anyone here likes to buy sneakers, uh, Miss Pat, are you into the shoe game? Sneakers, no? L a little bit, okay, all right. If anyone in here is into the shoe game, you like to buy sneakers, you know, and you go online and you, and you sneakers out and you're trying to buy sneakers, you'll quickly realize that there are two types of sneakers that you can buy that actually look very similar. There's the authorized version, and then there's the unauthorized version. Okay, let me break it down for you. So I have a friend who will remain nameless. He's not in the sanctuary today. Um, I have a friend who, one day I saw a picture of him online um, at like a block party community outreach event. And he was in a pair of shoes, a pair of Nike Jordan 1s that for, for in the resale, they were going for about $1,400, $1,500. And as I looked at him, he was wearing these shoes but he was standing in grass. And I said to myself, you're wearing $1,500 shoes, but you're standing in grass. You don't wear $1,500 shoes in the grass. Like, like, that's just something you don't do, right? You, you keep them on the sidewalk. <laughs> or you wrap them in plastic if you got to step on grass. Like you just, you just don't put $1,500 shoes in the grass. Like I don't care how good the, the picnic is, you do not put $1,500 shoes. But he was wearing a pair of $1,500 shoes and he was standing gas. And so immediately when I saw him wearing a pair of $1,500 shoes standing in grass, I said to myself, something ain't right. There's no way on God's green earth in his right mind, he would be wearing these shoes standing in grass. So I called him. I said, bro, I saw you posted a picture the other day. Yo, those are some, some fly kicks you got. He's like, yeah, man, I just got them. I said, you were wearing them in grass. Why would you be wearing those shoes in grass? He said, oh, oh. He said, these are the unauthorized version. <laughs> unauthorized version. Unauthorized means that they were made in the same plant as the authorized version. They were designed the exact same way as the authorized version. Um, they were probably made by the exact same people as the authorized version, but because Nike did not authorize them to be made, they are now unauthorized. And because they are unauthorized, they are sold at a significantly discounted price. So whereas the authorized version might be going for $1,500, the unauthorized version might be going for $150. 
And as he told me the unauthorized version, it was the pair that he was wearing. I said, oh, no wonder you are wearing them in grass. You can wear $150 shoes in grass. You do not wear $1,500 shoes in grass. And I, I started to ask him, well, where did you get these unauthorized versions from? And so he started giving me the, the website where you can order from and where they come from. And he said, look, they look just like the authorized versions. And he was persuading me to possibly buy a pair of unauthorized versions. But then my own like moral conscience kicked in. I said, no, I can't, I can't wear unauthorized versions, right? Because technically it's kind of stealing a lie, but even more so if you, I, I would hate for anyone to find out that Pastor Seth wears unauthorized version sneakers. And, and as I think about the whole sneaker game and replicas and authorized versus unauthorized, I can't help but think about your life and my life. That if we're not careful, that we could possibly be living an unauthorized life. A life that looks just like the original and, and was probably made in the same factory and, and, and made by the same people, but, but because it wasn't authorized, because it didn't have the stamp of approval, it's, it's the unauthorized version. It is a lesser version. It is a, an inexpensive version of the original. And I just feel that God has calling us in this day to understand with all the pressure that's going on around us, make sure that you don't live an unauthorized version of your life. Make sure that you still live up to God's ideal and God's plan and God's purpose and God's destiny for you. If you're not careful though, I think the pressure of life will convince all of us and persuade all of us to slide down into what is convenient and to compromise and to live below God's standard. So in your life, in your finances, you can be living an unauthorized version of your financial life. In your dating relationships, your, your relationship could be the unauthorized version. The way that you're raising your kids could be the unauthorized version. The way that you're interacting and handling your life and your job and your profession could be the unauthorized version. It, it, it looks fine, but under the surface, something is not right. And what's crazy is that what God does is God continues to call us back to the authorized, back to purpose, back to destiny. He calls us back, but we, human nature, always tend to drift to the lesser version. It, it, it's actually a part of our DNA. We see Eve did this in Genesis in chapter three, where she came to the, the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. It's not on the screen, but you know the story. Eve came to the knowledge of good and evil and the serpent said to her, oh, you can be like God. Just take this fruit. And if you eat this fruit, God knows that the moment that you eat of it, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, uh, that you will have all knowledge and you will have power. You will be just like God. And Eve took the fruit, believing that somehow I can have everything that God has, just the unauthorized version of it. And as a result, we are where we are today because of it. And yet, what's crazy is that God does not leave us there. Like Eve and in your life, he constantly calls us back to the authorized version. He constantly calls us back to his ideal. He constantly is calling us back to live on purpose and to live with destiny and to live with focus to no longer live according to an imitation of what he wants for us, but to live according to 
the exact authorized version of our life that he has ordained and destined us to live. Before we jump into the text, when I think about the different versions of our unauthorized life, I've, I realize that there are a few different, I don't want to say titles, umbrellas that we fall underneath. A few different versions. I, I have them on the screen. The first one is when we think about an unauthorized version, we have, this is the, I'm living a life that is the me that others want me to be. This is, this is the expectations of others. Where the life that I live is, is not God's ideal, but I'm living according to what other people want for me. Maybe you grew up in a home where the expectation was that you were going to become a doctor or a lawyer. Maybe you, you grew up in an, an environment where you, the expectation that you, you would pursue a, prof, a particular profession. Or maybe people thought that you should be dating someone of the same ethnicity and race and you shouldn't date someone outside of your ethnicity. Maybe you grew up in a family where your parents had high expectations for who you should be and who you should date and who you should marry and you found yourself kind of falling in line and being pressured by their expectations. And yet, if you're not careful, you will become this version of yourself, but it is not God's ideal. This too is an unauthorized version, even though it looks good and, and you could live a good life this way, it is still the me that other people want you to be. Not the me that God has created me to be. So this is one that we have to be careful. The second one is the me that I think I want to be. This is the, the limitation of success where I look at my life and I say, you know what, this is, this is what I want to go after. This is what I want to experience. I, I want to live a life like this and I will pursue it professionally and academically and in my relationships and my finances. I will go after these things and I will put all of my time and energy into becoming what I think success is for me. And yet still, even this version of my life, as good as it might be, it falls far below the me that God wants you to be. The third version is the me that they pay me to be. The infatuation of money. This is something that happens to so many of us where we will become someone or something just based off of what people are paying us to be. And yet it is not God's ideal for us. The fourth one is the me that time makes of me. This is the preoccupation of life. So I just get so busy and so caught up and this is one that I find myself in all the time, just constantly in the rat race of life that I find myself heading down a direction that is actually not the direction that God is calling me to be but it's just I'm caught up in the busyness of life. Anyone else have ever experienced that before? where you feel like you're just running and running and running and running and before you know it, you got 10 things on your plate when really there should only be two things on your plate and you're trying to go after this and go after that and you just feel like over time you become so overwhelmed, you wake up one day and you say to yourself, how did I get here? Family is not what it should be or used to be. Kids don't like spending time with you. Your finances aren't what you hope for because you are just driving yourself insane. And the last one is the me I want to be. 
the projection of self. I want you all to think I have it all together. I want you all to think I have the best family and I have the best finances and I have the best of everything. And so I'm going to project. This is something that you see take place a whole lot on social media. Do I got a witness? The me I want to be. So I'm going to project my life. I'll never forget. There was a particular rapper who took a picture of himself entering into a private jet um, and he posted it online because he wanted everyone to think that he was about to get on a private jet. But then other people found him actually sitting in coach on a commercial flight. And they said, you just posted a picture of yourself on a private jet, but he was hiding in coach because he didn't want people to see that he was actually flying coach as opposed to private. It is the me I want to be and that I want to project to this world. All of these compete against the me that God made me to be. Who has God made you to be. If you feel like you're working for not just 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, if you feel like you, you and your family are like two ships passing in the night, if you feel like you are dealing with stress upon stress and frustration upon frustration and one issue and one fire after another fire and you're constantly trying to get on top of things, I want to I tell you, those are all red flags, yellow flags at best, that you are living an unauthorized version of your life. If you're having to pop pills to just to stay awake and load up on caffeine just to get anything done, if you're having to take pills to numb the pain of what you're going through, I want to let you know that's a red flag that you're beginning to live an unauthorized version of your life. If you're too busy to take 24 hours a week to set it aside and say, God, I want to give this time to you and my family. I want to push the pause button on work and on school and on all of my other activities. And I just want to have a Sabbath for you. If you're too busy for that, I want to tell you that's a red flag that you are moving towards living an unauthorized version of your life. If you find yourself jumping from one relationship to the next, after relationship to the next, and you, you're trying to find the right one, but you feel like you're in and out of relationships all of the time, I want to tell you that's a yellow flag, that you might just be living an unauthorized version of your life. Because I believe that when you truly live an authorized version of your life, you recognize that your steps are ordered by God. And I don't have to date 100 people to find the one. God will bring that person to my path, along my path, as I continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Doesn't the Bible say somewhere, uh, all these things will be added unto you? No shade. There's nothing wrong with dating. Don't get me wrong. But if every other day you got a new date, something is wrong. If you feel like you are that individual where you're constantly on the rat race trying to chase that golden carrot called retirement or that golden carrot called the promotion, I want to encourage you. Maybe that's a yellow flag that you are beginning to live an unauthorized version of yourself. Now, if you're not careful, you'll begin to quickly realize that your life is becoming a poor man's version of what God destined you to experience. And nobody likes to be in that poor man's version. We want to experience God's ideal for our life. And so we see this 
in Jeremiah, where Judah has rebelled against God. Israel has already rebelled against God, the nation of Israel. Judah has followed their big sister, and Israel, and is beginning to rebel against God. And so God calls Jeremiah, and he says, Jeremiah, I want, you to, I want to send you as a prophet, and I want you to preach to Judah and remind them to come back to me, to repent and to forsake their way and to return to me. And Jeremiah's like, well, God, we, we dealt with this last week. Jeremiah says, God, who am I? I, I can't speak. I'm just a boy. And God says to Jeremiah, don't worry about who you are. I'll put the words in your mouth. I'm ordaining you to be a prophet to the nations. I have purpose. I have destiny for you, Jeremiah. Before you saw the light of day, I saw you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah goes in chapters two and chapter three, and he begins to to preach the word to Judah, telling Judah, listen, repent. God loves you. Come back to him. Don't play the harlot. Don't trifle with God. Don't run away with other idols and other gods and other men. Listen, come back to God and return to him and you will be restored. But Judah refuses to listen. And so in Jeremiah chapter four, God sends a message to Judah who is living an unauthorized version of their life. They are settling for far less than God's ideal. And God says, listen, I don't know why you're playing the harlot. I don't know why you're sleeping around on me. I don't know why you're trifling with these other idols and these other gods. Come back to me. And in Jeremiah chapter four, I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. Verse one, God says, oh Israel, says the Lord, if you want to return to me, you could. You could throw away your detestable idols and stray away no more. Verse two, he says, then you will swear. He says, then you will swear by my name, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, you could do so with truth and justice and righteousness. Then you would be a blessing to the nations of the world. And all the people would come and praise my name. God is basically saying, like, just Judah, listen, if you returned and you repented and you confessed, you could come back to me, you could call on my name, and you could do so with truth and justice and righteousness, then you would be a blessing to the nations. You would go from living an unauthorized version of your life to an authorized version of you. would go from being a replica to the real thing. You would go from being an imitation to the real deal. You would live according to my purpose and my plan and my destiny for you. If you returned. But Judah, they won it. But God continues to come after them. And this is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. He says, this is what I want you to do. For all of you all out there who are living an unauthorized life, for all of you all who are living according to the expectations of others or the projection of self, for all of you out there who are living according to some lesser version of what God has ordained for you, what God says is if you want to go from the unauthorized, lesser version to living up to God's full potential, what he wants you to do is to return. Return to me. Push the pause button on your schedule. Clear out a few days. Cancel things and return to me. He specifically tells Judah, he says, plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among thorns. In verse four, he says, people of Judah in Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord. 
It's just return. It's just, it's that simple. It's not rocket science. If you want to experience all that God has in store for you, and if you want to know what on earth you're here for, return. A part of this returning is repentance. It's you saying, God, I, I, I haven't been doing it right. God, I've been caught up in what other people want me to do. I've been caught up in trying to project a certain image of myself. God, I've been caught up in, in trying to live a life that really is not real. It's not authentic. It's not who I am. God, I'm just so overwhelmed with everything. There's so many red flags and yellow flags. God, I feel like I'm living an unauthorized version of my life. It's good, but it's not great. And good is the enemy of great. God, I want to come back to you. I want to repent. God tells Judah through Jeremiah to break up your heart. There comes a point where for you to really get real with God, you have to be broken. And I want you to get this because for many of us, our breakthrough, let me say it like this, you will never experience a breakthrough until you are broken. You will never experience a breakthrough until you are broken. And to be broken says, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm falling prostrate before God and I'm laying myself before him. It's that brokenness that Jacob experienced when Jacob said, God, I won't let you go until you bless me. That is what returning to God, that is what puts us on the path from living an unauthorized imitation version of our lives to living a kingdom-ordained life, the authorized version. Then God says, okay, I can do something because a broken and contrite heart God is pleased with. And so you come before God and you say, God, my family, we've gotten off track. God, it just started very small, but now I feel like we don't spend time in family worship anymore. We're not connecting with you. Our family is driven by, by, by promotions and, and money and, 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 and trying to, to, to acquire a lot of things in life. God, we want to be a family that is rooted in your kingdom. Show us what kingdom looks like for my family. Show me what purpose looks like for my family. And return to God. But your heart must be broken. You know, one way I can illustrate it that I think most of us would understand is when you think about, when you think about our, when you think about fruit, these uh, cuties here. Anyone like cuties? Yeah, oh yeah. I think if you're in you know what's good for you. We all like cuties. This, this cutie, I don't know, what type of fruit is this actually? It's not a cutie. What is this called? Tangerine? Okay. <laughs> Orange? Mandarin. Mandarin thing. These cuties. Cuties. <laughs> like this, this does us no good right here. I mean, we might be able to use it to play catch with if you got some small kids. They, it would make a horrible tennis ball. It wouldn't make it across the net. A horrible baseball um, wouldn't, make it, wouldn't make it very far past first, first base. Um, uh, 
I guess you can put these in your, in your shoes if you want to fill them out as opposed to shoe trees, maybe. I'm trying to be creative here. But over time, they would probably start to rot and would, it would ruin your shoes. The, the, the cutie of it in and of itself, the way it is, it's really good for, for nothing with the, the skin on. But when you, when you take the skin off and you start to, to break the skin, that's when you begin to really realize that this thing which on its surface is really good for nothing, once we break the skin, then we begin to experience that this thing actually has a whole lot of value. That it's more, it's more than just uh, me uh, being able to throw it as a ball or to put it in my shoe, but this thing actually, if I got enough of them, it could feed my family. <laughs> like this, this is, an, is an awesome snack. Do I got any parents who can say amen? Right, like you keep a few of these in your car, switch them out every couple days, you don't want them to go bad. This, this thing right here is a, is, is a clutch go-to move if you got small kids. And maybe if you're just on your way to, to, the, to the park or to Disney, you just throw a few of these in your car and they will just hold you over till you get what you're really looking for. But the value of this cutie is not found until it is broken. And if you have this, and you do not break it. You can try to eat this, and eventually you might hit a sweet spot, but for the first part of it, it's gonna be some rough going. There's gonna be a lot of bitterness, a lot of tartness. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of stuff in your mouth that you feel like, you know what, this doesn't belong here, right? This, as it's in, in its current state, is the unauthorized version of this. But you will never get to this, George, unless you are willing to break this. In your life, God says, I have purpose for you. I have destiny for you. I have plans for you. I have kingdom purpose for you. A life that will fill you, that will satisfy you, that will be sweet to your taste buds. And a life that won't just be sweet to you, but a life that will also be sweet to the people around you. That when people taste you and they taste your fruit, it'll be like a breath of fresh air because you are the authorized version of your life. God has appointed you and ordained you and you are living up to God's potential. So every room you step in, you are bringing your best self and you are bringing the kingdom of God with you. The Holy Spirit is walking with you everywhere you go. And you are a blessing to all those around you. But you will never get here unless you are willing to be broken. You got to be broken. You got to be broken. You got to fall on your face before God and say, God, we have departed from your way. We have we're off track. My family, my life, my, my personal life, we have deviated from what you designed for us. There's a whole lot of yellow flags around. Got to be willing to be broken. And this is what God said to Judah. He says, listen. I created you, I started you, I birthed you, but yet you've left me. You've turned to your own wicked way. You are living below my ideals for your life. Come back to me.
Return, be broken, and I will restore. So today, I, I, want, I want you to know that you have purpose and you have destiny and you were appointed with a divine calling. God didn't allow you to be living in this day, in this season, right now, just for accident. You're not here just to make a living. You are here for kingdom purpose. But you'll never know what that purpose is until you open your heart and you're willing to be broken before God. You say, God, take me. God, I confess the error of my ways, spirit of the living God, please just come and restore, take over. And it's not just a one-time prayer that you pray. This brokenness is, is not, oh, okay, I did it once and I'm good for the rest of my life. This is every day you come before God and you say, God, peel me. God, take the sword of your word and begin to cut away the rough places from my life, God, to expose the raw meat that can satisfy my soul. There's some marriages right now who the reason it's in the state that it is is because you're not broken. You're not broken before your husband. You're not broken before your wife. You're not, you don't conduct yourself with humility. Um, there is a sense of entitlement and pride in your family. And the result has resulted in tension and frustration. And God is saying, humble yourself before one another. Humble yourself before me and be, be broken. This goes to parents and children and to every domain of our life. God is calling us to be broken. So my appeal for those online, my appeal for those in the building, if you say, you know what, I don't want to be a poor man's version of my life. I want to be the real, the authentic, the top-notch, high-quality, high-end, high-performing machine. That doesn't mean you run yourself to, into the ground. That means that you have all power and potential to do the things that God has called you to do. For those who are with us, you say to yourself, I want to be the authorized version. That's you. And you're saying, you know what? God, break me, peel me, cut me. Whatever you must do, Father, I want to surrender my life and my family to you. Do what you must in order to make me sweet to the taste and nourishing to the soul. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand with me if you say, I want to be the authorized version. Father, our hands are lifted all over this place because in this moment right now and online, we recognize, God, that without you, we will never live up to our full potential. Without being in deep relationship with you, we will never fully understand your purpose, your calling, your plan for us, God. Without you, Father, we will just live an unauthorized version. And that might be okay for some people. Like, we can still live a good life, right? I don't want to, to, to lie to anyone to think that, hey, if you don't choose God, somehow your life will be horrible. No, there's a lot of people out there who don't know you who are living a, a decent life. But God, they are still living far below their potential in Christ. And God, we want to live up to our potential in Christ. 
You created us for more than just living. You created us for relationship. You created us for kingdom purpose. God, you created us for your plans and for your pleasure. And we want to live up to your plans and pleasure and purposes. And so in this moment, God, our hands are lifted saying, God, break us. Shut down whatever needs to be shut down. Close whatever needs to be closed. Strip away whatever needs to be stripped away. If there's some relationships, if there's some jobs, if there's some initiatives or endeavors that we're pursuing that are causing us to live the unauthorized version of our life, God, shut it down. We give you permission in the name of Jesus to have your way because we recognize that our fullness and our potential won't be experienced until we are broken before you. Humble our hearts, oh God, before our spouses, before our loved ones, before you, and may you, may you just be lifted up in us. May we return to you and experience what you have in store for your children. I have an appeal that I want to make as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Those who are online, those who are in the building, there may be someone who's saying, you know what? I don't just need to be broken. God, I need to give my heart fully to you and surrender. And a part of that brokenness is you want to take that step of baptism. There's a few of you all who have already articulated and expressed uh, interest in baptism. and We're going to plan for that. But there may be someone else in the house today who says, you know what, Pastor, I need to be baptized. I need to fully give my heart to God. I need to return. If that is you, I want you just to raise your hand in this place and you say, I want to be baptized. I want to give my heart to God. I see you. I want to be baptized. Mm -hmm. Father, in the name of Jesus, there may be someone online who at home your hand is lifted. Just put it in the chat. Reach out to us. You can text 77222 belong and say you want to be baptized. Let us know. Father, the hands that are lifted, God, we just want to take them and hold them and draw them into your deep relationship with you. So, Father, just have your way. You know who you have called us and created us to be. God, have your way. You know the areas that we're struggling. You know the difficulties that we have. There has been some rough places in our life that are there because of our childhood. And it's so rough that we, we don't want you to get to it. We don't want you to break it up. We don't want you to peel it. But God, for our own benefit, Lord, would you just apply the... the your, your grace to it and just have your way and begin to peel back the rough places of our lives. That we might know that there is not just destiny for us, but that we can walk in purpose and we can live a life that is pleasing to you. Father, we thank you. We love you. Forgive us for settling 
for settling for less than your best, for settling for a poor man's version of our life. Forgive us. And may we go forward with power and with purpose. In Jesus' name, let everyone who believes say amen and amen. Amen. Come on, let's just put our hands together if you believe the word of God.